This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 203 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And the Boston Bruins, we knew, weren't winning the cup this year. About two months ago, they got embarrassed by the Panthers. So what happens? Well, old friend Bruce Cassidy and the Vegas Golden Knights kind of humble the Panthers and put an end to their Cinderella run. And they are the 2023 Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, and they were certainly one of the most complete teams in the NHL all year. Obviously started out really hot, just like the Bruins. If you you know think back to that matchup they had at the Garden, they were like the two best teams in the NHL at that point. And then Vegas had a bunch of injuries in the middle of the season that they had to deal with. And, you know, dropped off a little bit. They weren't in first anymore. And then they finished strong and ended up being the number one seed in the West. And it was, it kind of felt like they were almost flying under the rate. Like their strong finish almost kind of flew under the radar. Cause it was like, everyone's talking about how strong Edmonton finished. Colorado seemed to start turning it on defending cup champs. Uh, Dallas, you know, was strong all year. And it, it felt like Vegas was almost being overlooked a little bit. And then they kind of just cruised to the playoffs. They never even went to a seventh game. Six losses total, win the cup final in five games, and, you know, did it in pretty dominant fashion. Had some real blowouts in the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, we find out that the Panthers were were pretty banged up, had, you know, like a lot of teams, had a laundry list of injuries. Aaron Eckblad with a broken foot, two separated shoulders. Matthew Kachuk obviously missed game five with a broken sternum that he actually tried to play through in game four, which is just crazy. Um, so Panthers clearly ran out of steam, but you know, all the credit in the world to Vegas, like their, their top player stepped up. Aiden Hill was awesome. In goal. Jack Eichel was incredible. Jonathan March so was on fire for like the last three rounds. Um, Mark Stone, like just on down the line, Petrangelo and defense, Really good, really deep team, and obviously Bruce Cassidy was exactly the coach that they needed. You know, Mark Stone said after the game that he brought an intensity to our locker room that that we probably needed, and that was a team that missed the playoffs last year in very disappointing fashion, um, and, you know, bounced back. They've been a perennial playoff team before last season, and they, they bounced back and get it done and win the franchise's first cup and you know Bruce Cassidy's the the hero there now and uh, obviously fans around here now look at it and you go gee you know 
Kind of, kind of wish he was doing that with the Bruins. Yeah, no, it it came full circle for Bruce Cassidy in a good way. Um, he ended up falling short in 2019 with the Bruins, cut blindsided by the firing, and apparently Vegas was just one Bruce Cassidy away from winning the Stanley Cup. And it those comments that were made after the game about Cassidy and like the fire that he brought, it's kind of you kind of think of it in stark contrast to Montgomery style, which was like, we've mentioned kind of more understated and like nice and like calm. And then Cassidy's approach was always, uh, he was passionate about it. So if he, if you made him angry, he might say something like it was just cause he really cared. Um, and it worked in Vegas. And I've heard our talk shows over the past few days mentioning how, you know, why couldn't, the Bruins veteran players or whomever on the, on the Bruins roster handle that kind of a coach. Um, it's, it's definitely, you almost could just tell Bruce Cassie, like without, without doing it, it was like middle fingers to, to Sweeney um, because he wins. Uh, and he said it was the best thing, probably the best thing that ever happened to him was getting fired by the Bruins. So, and it's hard to argue. I mean, not every day do you have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. He missed out on his first opportunity, and he gets it with Vegas. So, yeah, you know, the, I, maybe like a middle finger to Sweeney, but also possibly a middle finger to players who, mm-hmm. who you know, weren't happy with him and possibly wanted him out. And you know, to push back on like one of the narratives, which is like the idea that you know, Bergeron wanted him out or like veterans. Like, I think the veterans could handle it. I, I don't think Bergeron personally had problems with Bruce Cassidy. I think it's other guys on the roster who did and Bergeron's going to side with the players. And so I think there were times where, you know, he had to stand up to Cassidy a little and, and tell him to back off. And we heard some of those stories, right? I think, I think it was Greg Hill on, on EI who reported, last year or maybe the year before, but I think it was early last season that like Cassidy was getting on Grizzly card and Bergeron had to kind of step in and say like, yeah, okay, we got it. Like point made. That's enough. Um, You know, we, it's all ground we've covered, but I think it's entirely possible for like all of the following to be true that Bruce Cassidy is a great coach and was a great coach in Boston. And also that, you know, it could might've just been time for a change. Like, that happens, and especially with a coach like that who is more intense and is more critical and, you know, will not so much, not really rip players in the media, but criticize players publicly. That kind of style can wear on, on players and on teams. And he was here for six years. Like that's, I mentioned on the last podcast, but that's pretty long in the hockey world to last six years with one team because. Right now, there's only three coaches in the NHL who have even been with their team longer than five years. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a shelf life. And by the way, like if Bruce Cassidy coached Vegas the exact same way that he coached in Boston, there would be a shelf life there too. Obviously not right now because they just won the cup, but four or five years from now, like it could happen there as well. And, you know, by the way, Bruce Cassidy has talked throughout this season about how he has changed and adapted as a coach and taken lessons that he learned with the Bruins and and things he learned on his way out that he's changed. So it's not, 
he has not been the exact same coach. He certainly has kept a lot of the same things and same approach the way that he did in Boston. He's, you know, he didn't walk into Vegas and suddenly he's, you know, everyone's friend and he's going easy on people like that didn't happen. But I think he probably did change some things about being clearer with his communication. Um, you know, one thing that like we heard from the Bruins this year is like with Montgomery, there was no gray area. Like you knew exactly where you stood and why you stood there. And I think with Cassidy, with some guys, they felt like they didn't know exactly where they stood. They didn't know exactly why they were there or what they had to do to get back. And, you know, I bet that's probably something that he's improved. So Bridget and Scott, if I end up lagging here or cutting out, just shoot me a text or in the chat, but just building off of what you guys are talking about, the um, for me, it's not a it's not even a Bruce Cassidy issue or or Don Sweeney issue. To me, it's a player's issue. Like I I firmly believe that last year when they lost to Carolina, Bruce Cassidy was not the reason that they lost. And I felt at the time that they fired a, a guy who did his job as well as anybody on that team in Bruce Cassidy. And I do think he was a bit of a scapegoat. And all I can tell you is that while yes, I acknowledge. Maybe his message grew stale, and I acknowledge that he wasn't a popular guy in the room. Like I said last episode, my question is like, like okay, so yeah, it was time for a change, but why was the change necessary? Not because he wasn't a good coach; it's because the players, the players just they they just don't have that maturity. I don't think up and down the lineup. I mean, certainly like the veterans do, but. Yeah, all I know is the Bruins players got their wish. Cat, big bad Cassidy was gone, and they were they were bouncing the first round this year. So for me, it's a player issue, and there's something off in that in that room where they just they don't have clutch genes, and they and Scott, you mentioned like Bergeron may not have wanted Cassidy gone, but like he didn't stick up for for Cassidy, right? Like he he, he you said it, he took the player's side, and while that's not him damning Cassidy, he didn't help keep him around, right? Because Bergeron, it's so I don't know. It, to me, it's, it's all in the players, and and they need they need an attitude adjustment because they got their wish. They got they got the lovey dovey, friendly players coach and Jim Montgomery, and the result was no better. And to me, it falls in the players. So, and like I'm not saying Cassidy being here for the next ten years would have made them a cup champion either. I think I think it's a player personnel issue. Like there's something off with this team intangibly. It's just the proof is in the pudding, and that's all I can really say about that for now. So I'm really happy for Cassidy, but. To me, it's not even about if he was still here. There, there's some if he if he coaches Bruins team this year, they probably still would have found a way to lose because there's something off with these players. It's just the mix just hasn't been hasn't been a championship mix for quite some time, once in fifty years. So, yeah. And and to talk a little bit, I just felt like there was so much irony in this Stanley Cup for the as it relates to the Bruins in Vegas and Florida because all of this drama is kind of connected to all three teams because it turns out that a bunch of the Florida guys were hurt in the Bruins series, which, so the Bruins wore them down. And by the time they played against Vegas, they didn't, they didn't have a healthy um, lineup. So the Bruins almost helped Vegas out in that way that they wore down the Panthers by the time they got there. Um, They weren't, they weren't the healthier team. Kachuk got hurt or, uh, after the Bruins series, right? He got hurt. Was he, did he originally get, it was during the cup final. It was game game three. Yeah. So he got hurt by Vegas, but some of the other guys were playing with injuries that they sustained against Boston. Yeah. And that's, that's another part of like, that's part of the story of who wins the cup 
every year. We, you know, there's a reason we call it a war of attrition. Like, by and large, it is, you know, if you get enough injuries, like, you don't have a chance. And Florida did. I don't think Florida would have beat Vegas even if they were relatively healthy, but they clearly weren't. Like, Ekblad playing through everything he played, you could tell he wasn't as effective, certainly in the final. Like, they dominated, right? They dominated Toronto and Carolina so much that you really didn't notice if anyone was banged up. It was like they just steamrolled them. But certainly in the cup final, like you noticed that Ekblad wasn't as effective. Brandon Montour was a lot more quiet than he had been, certainly against the Bruins, but even in the second round. And he was another guy who was injured. Um, obviously, Kachuk the last two games, basically, you know, being very limited in game four and then not playing at all. Game five, like, yeah, at some point that just piles up. And that's another thing like, I get come back to with the Bruins. And we've said it, I've said it before, we've said it before. Like they still should have closed out Florida no matter no matter what. You're up 3-1. They should have finished that series no matter what their injury situation was. But I do kind of wonder, like, would they have even been able to hold up for a cop run? Because Bergeron's dealing with a sports hern dealing with you know a herniated disc in his back. Krejci's dealing with whatever. Allmark has the hip thing ongoing. Like maybe Swayman just takes the job and, and runs with it the rest of the way. Lindholm with the foot. Like, you know, they very well could have been in the same position where they're just wearing down as the playoffs go on. And I know people hear that and think, oh, it's an excuse. I'm not saying it's it's an excuse for losing to Florida. They should have finished that series off. I'm saying that, you know, even if they get by Florida, there's no guarantee that they're in the cup final or they're winning the cup because they could have just as easily been the team that was just so injured that, you know, that they wear down like the Panthers did. Um, and we've seen that with the Bruins in the playoffs before. And like, I don't know if that's, is it bad luck? Is it a toughness thing? Is it the fact that they're in, you know, they have some older players, especially in the case of like Bergeron and Krejci. Like why do the Bruins always seem to, be injured at the end of the year and into the playoffs and lose key players. I don't know. Like I'm sure, you know, they've tried to find an answer. They've tried to build maximum depth depth to overcome it. And obviously it didn't work this year. They were as deep as any team and they still lost in the first round. So um, yeah, I mean, you look at Vegas, like I know they had their injuries too, but for the most part, they got to the finish line fairly healthy. I mean, Phil Kessel comes out of the lineup as a healthy scratch in the first round. He's their 13th forward, and they didn't need him the final three rounds. He didn't get back into the lineup. They rolled out the same 12 forwards. Like, that's almost unheard of, you know? Another, so, Bruin, another Bruins connection there. Yeah, basically the same same six defensemen every game. Like, for the most part, Vegas had its lineup, and I'm sure guys were banged up, but there weren't any real serious injuries, and, like, that's a factor, too. Yeah, and one way to prevent injuries is by closing out series that you're supposed to win when you're supposed to win them, right? Yep. So it's like, you know, the, if the Bruins – like the Bruins could have beat that Florida team in five games on that Marshan breakaway. Like if that's the case, you're resting up for a week before Toronto and, and, and whatever. But, yeah, I mean, Vegas had their injuries too, and, and I'm sure there's going to be injuries that won't even come out because they won the cup and they're not going to – I mean, they're they're fighting through stuff too, but – and, and I know you said you said as much, but for me, it's just like what really pisses me off is that is that the Florida Panthers were able to look like 
Brandon Montour, the Bruins made him look like Bobby Orr. And they made Matthew Kachuk look like Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. And and the Bruins made an eight seed, which is what they were. They made an eight seed start this miraculous Cinderella run at the Bruins' expense. When in reality, the Bruins should have been doing what Vegas did, which is make Florida look like an eighth seed. I mean, I'm watching that game, that game, that game five. And I know the game was over halfway through, but it's like, it's like you're just watching it nine to three. Nine to three, and it's and you're, I'm watching, you know, Mahara and and Forsling and Gudis like like they 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 can't even keep up with with Vegas and it's like Vegas isn't they're not like that fast of a team like they're 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 all around strong but like they just made them look like a JV hockey team out there and I'm and it's like really this is the team that that the Bruins not only lost to but relinquished a three one series lead and multiple third period leads in those final closeout games. They should be embarrassed of themselves and ashamed of themselves. I mean, and and to the whole injury point, it's like it was the first round. Like they didn't even have an opportunity to have, to have them start piling up. The only injuries that we really know of are Bergeron and Lindholm that we knew about going into this into the series. And we can talk about if they mismanaged those or not, but whatever. That like the Bruins were more or less healthy. And and when you look back at the Bruins team, like David Pasternak had a he was quiet through the first five games, but 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 at least with Pasternak, you can sit there and say he scored two go-ahead goals in the third period of both games six and seven that could have iced the series. So I'm not even gonna begrudge Pasternak's series, even though he had a couple of quiet games in the middle there. Like he 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 finished the series, I think, with four goals. And and as I as I just mentioned, two of those could have been series winners had the Bruins held on. Um, but like the rest of the Bruins, like like McAvoy was not what he needed to be. Bergeron and the games that he played, you know, whatever, just wasn't I mean, whatever. Marshan wasn't wasn't phenomenal. Um the bet I will, the Bruins I will say the other the other injury was all Mark that we're not a hundred percent sure like what the extent of it was, right. but that was that that one injury had a big effect on the outcome of it, the series. Which is which is fair, but it's like to, to the conversations we've had in the past, when you well, why is that even why is that even an issue? If 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 a goal if if your goalie is unhealthy, but you have another goalie that you've ridden all season just as much about like why like why why we playing the guy that's hurt? But that's yeah. a different conversation. But the the last thing I'll say is just like what again what annoys me about this Bruins team is like the best forward for the Bruins in that playoff series was a guy that they didn't have until the last month of the season, Tyler Bertuzzi. So it's just like I'm just really pissed off about about this team. Like like they they get everything that they want, they get the coach they want. He gets the best out of everybody all season. The big bad Cassidy's gone, and you know what? The players just yet again they just choke it away. And you can sit there and say, uh, you know, Brian's being a Debbie Downer. Well, guess what? Like, give me a reason to be optimistic about this team. Like, they deserve it. And 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 if you don't criticize this team after this year, and and watch how Vegas like recognize that they needed a uh, you know some structure and some accountability as in a coach. Not that Jim Montgomery doesn't provide those things, but like. I just can't stand when people are like they just never criticize the Bruins for just because like they they have their black and gold glasses on. Like like recognize that the team in front of you that you cheer for failed and that there's no excuse for what happened and stop trying to like, you know, I just I just don't like when people are just like let the players off because guess what? Coaches get fired, GMs get fired, like fans pay all the money. 
like to go to these games and and the players are all ah they tried brian they tried like you know you don't know what it's like brian, you know, they had know. fun they had fun during the regular season there's just there's way too many like there's there's just way too many like i'm not somebody who just wants to criticize players for no reason like when they deserve to be criticized people need to be criticize them and, and address what what happened and like I don't know. It's like there's the whole Bruce Cassidy narrative the last few weeks. It's like I basically what you see online for the most part and here on radio is like it's like you have people sitting there saying good for Bruce, good coach, but change was needed. Like, yeah, change was needed because the Bruins players are soft as that's, shit. That's, that's why. That's not what the radio has been saying, but sure. Yeah, no, but, that, that's online. Radio has by and large just been ripping like, the Bruins to shreds. It's only a kick. A jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Don't don't you find that like annoying when 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 fans try to be like, good for Bruce, but you know what he's a great coach, but change was needed. It's like yeah, no, yeah, I sure, don't find sure. that annoying because that's exactly what I think. So yeah, but uh, that was okay, Scott's so, so, Twitter you were reading. Yeah, it was Scott's Twitter. <laughs> but hold on, but hold on, Scott. So so then I'll ask you then because maybe you can speak for all the for all these individuals who feel this way. I agree that change that change was needed, but people aren't addressing why it was needed it's like there's a bigger problem here than just a coach that they like it was easier to get rid of him and to keep the rest of the team it's like do you under like do you, do you get where i'm going with like the why is the change needed like is there is the culture is the culture with some of these younger players not what it needs to be and then you have the older guys like bergeron and marishan who do have that culture but there's only so much they can do because it's just a young man's league now i i'm with brian on this one i think like there you do have to ask why and you also have to ask why was Sweeney willing to take whatever information he had and make that decision like he he wasn't just making that decision on his own he was getting information for feedback from other people why they made their judgment of the situation on Cassidy is you know that's on them and whatever Sweeney's final decision was came down to whether or not he believed what those people were telling him and whether or not he believed that it was going to be a good fit for them the next season. Unfortunately, kind of feels too bad that he couldn't have just held on one more year, that they couldn't have just given him one more year. Um, well, but I think that's that's part of it, though. I think because Don Sweeney knew, like, we only have one or two more cracks at this, and do you really want to stick with a coach who's clearly at – odds with at least part of the locker room and there's clearly a fraying relationship there i don't you know i don't think it was ever like a total train wreck where it's like oh my god there's no possible way this can continue but i think sweeney's weighing you know all right but if there's some tension there and 
you know, it kind of got worse during the season or whatever. Like, do you keep it together and say, okay, everyone figure it out? Or do you say, you know what, we're going to make a change for this last run or two and, and find a coach who, you know, might just come in with a different like voice that. and be able to get something more out of this team. And by the way, I think Jim Montgomery got more out of this team for 82 games. Like I know he had a better roster overall than, than Cassidy did last year, but there were players who were noticeably better and there were guys who developed, you know, Pavel Zaka had the best season of his career. Trent Frederick had the best season of his career. Jake DeBrusque had the best season of his career. Brandon Carlo got back on track after a couple down years. Like there was noticeable individual improvement on this roster. And yeah, it's very easy to overlook all of that when you lose in the first round and say, well, it didn't work and they should have kept Cassidy, but I can't ignore what I saw for 82 games. And I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's going to like throw away an 82 game regular season and pretend that it wasn't important or that nothing we saw mattered. Like, no, I all season long thought the Bruins made the right decision because I saw what Jim Montgomery was getting out of this team. And I think Jim Montgomery is a good coach. So yeah, it ended in disaster, but I'm not throwing away those six months and being like, Oh, well that meant nothing. Um, I think changing to Jim Montgomery was good. And I also happen to think that changing coaches in general just isn't the biggest deal in the world because that's the nature of the NHL and it happens often. And, you know, by the way, like, let's look, let's look at Vegas who got rid of their own very good coach and Pete DeBoer. I happen to think Pete DeBoer is a really good coach. He's generally won and improved teams wherever he's went. So like, I don't hear any questions about Vegas about why that locker room needed a change or why well, because they want <laughs> or why that team's leaders didn't stick up for Pete DeBoer. You know what I mean? Like obviously, yeah, because they won. But like I think changing coaches can often have a positive effect because sometimes teams just need to hear something different. And yeah, but does that positive effect come because that coach is better or because they just are happier that there's something new? Like it's it, it, I understand what you're saying, Scott, because I feel like it's it's impossible to throw away the fact that th- these guys all had re- career individual seasons. My question is, when Sweeney decided to make the coaching change and he picks Jim Montgomery, um, he he's leaving one coach that has playoff experience, more playoff experience for someone who doesn't have that kind of playoff experience um, in coaching. And you could tell in the playoffs that some of the moves that he was making, he was, he was overdoing things. And sometimes he was making moves too late. He was, he didn't look comfortable coaching in the playoffs. It's one thing to have that during the regular season, everybody was cruising, having fun. But then when that pressure was added and it's not just Jim Montgomery, but when the pressure was added, he wasn't the same coach and the players weren't the same either. So it just, I feel like Cassidy would have been a more calming, not, like we mentioned his personality is not necessarily coming, but his presence and his conviction could have helped get the, the nerves out of some of the players, especially um, with some of the decisions he was making being more definitive. If he, if he had just decided, no, this is the line that we're going to have. And this is the goalie that we're going to start. Um, and, you know, we're leaving Grizzly in or out or whatever, but I just feel like, 
when they made that move to get rid of Sweeney and they brought someone in who Cassidy. I mean, what am I saying? When Sweeney made that move to get rid of Cassidy, and it, can you tell I'm tired? I have worked. <laughs> I've worked 12 days in a row. Bridget um, got to work a nice two-hour rain delay Red Sox game last night. Uh, yeah. After waking up at 6 a.m., working on Grash and Keith, then going to the ballpark and leaving at midnight, and getting home at 1:30 in the morning. So. I'm tired. I've made a few mistakes <laughs> with saying things because I'm just so fucking tired. But the skate pod's the most important part, though. We all know that. I had to wake up to do this. I was planning on sleeping till noon, but oh, you had to wake up at 11 a.m. Scott, I well, haven't slept well. in days. <laughs> I was hey. going to end up looking like our friend Nick, our <laughs> the other Gresham Fourier producer, Nick, who was like a zombie the other day. So look, I. I Scott and Bridget. So, so, so Scott, I, I heard everything you said and I, and I, and I understand what you're saying and I get it. Um, what I, one of the things I said off the top was it's, it's really not a Bruce Cassidy specific thing for me. Like I understand coaches have a shelf life. I understand all that. And, and I guess what I'm saying is forget Bruce Cassidy, put him off to the side. Okay. Coaches have a shelf life. One of these days, Jim Montgomery's day in Boston, they're, the days are going to be numbered. And I guess what I'm saying is if the Bruins management feels that post Jim Montgomery one day that they want to get a more old school voice mentality, accountability, and, and, and one of those Bruce Cassidy style coaches, can this management, and this is going to be post Bergeron and Marshan probably, you're talking a really young core, like, is management going to look at this Bruins culture going forward, this Bruins dressing room going forward and say, well, these guys don't respond well to, to an old school, you know, in your face type of coach. So we, we need to find player friendly coaches. And I guess if that's the case, like I find that to be a pro a culture problem because it's, 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 it's ass wiping. And, and it's like, and I just feel like when it comes to the Vegas golden Knights, I guarantee you that I guarantee you, more guys than not dislike Bruce Cassidy in that locker room than liked them. But guess what? They all have a ring on their finger now. So it's just like, it's, it's less about Bruce Cassidy for me. It's more about like post Bergeron, when Bergeron leaves this locker room and Marshall leaves this locker room, what's going to be the state of this Bruins dressing room? Like, can they, like, can they wear somebody that that's asking and demanding a lot of them, especially when they're not playing well and they're not feeling good about themselves. Like you have to be able to, you just have to be able to be a professional because everybody in this world is, is a professional at something and everybody has bosses that they aren't too fond of all the time. And it's just, I just don't want this to be a situation where like the, the Bruins players just can't, they just, they can't, they don't have, they're not tough enough mentally. And and that's what I, that's, it's a slippery slope if it's going to be a player friendly room or something like that going forward all the time. Well, you know what you often see and really in every sport is like when coaches change, the next coach is something different than the last guy. And we just saw that with the Bruins, right? Where Cassidy was the hard ass Montgomery's the players coach. I imagine whenever the time comes, you know, two, three years, who knows when Montgomery's time is up here. I imagine the next coach will be someone a little, a little stricter, especially if like, you know, Bruins still haven't broken through, or it seems like, you know, maybe Montgomery's, approach has stopped getting the most out of guys or whatever. I imagine the next coach will be a little stricter and I could see it being a coach who's won a Stanley cup before. 
because then that automatically brings respect. Like if you can bring someone in who, all right, guys, he's going to be a little tougher on you, but Hey, look at that ring on his finger. Like, you know, it's like, Bruce I, Cassidy. I think it's that... Bruce Cassidy again. <laughs> right. He's back. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, that's funny. Um, like I could definitely see that because again, that's, that's how it works in, in the NHL and in all sports is like, Coaches are easier to change than players in, in cores of teams. And when they make a change, they want to go get someone who's a little different, who's going to bring something different. So that would be my take on, on that. Like, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll find out about the Bruins room, right? Cause there's going to be a changing over of what this core looks like automatically, you know, Krejci, we, we all think is probably out now, although still haven't gotten a decision. Bergeron is either gone now or maybe next year, but obviously very soon. Marshan, you're probably looking at two, three years left. So this is all going to turn over no matter what. And then like, we're going to find out what kind of core, you know, McAvoy, Pasternak, Lindholm, Zaka, whoever else is still around. Like we're going to see what that team can handle. And you know, whether they learn from this postseason failure and, get better or whether they are continually a team that comes up short. Um, you know, so that'll tell us about like what kind of coaching they need or whether, whether the whole room needs a shakeup. Um, I know some people think, you know, they're already there and they think that this team needs it now, which I think is fair because they've come up short more than once and you can go back to 2019 as well. But, you know, I would go back to when Bruce Cassidy took over and say, this team very much brought into Bruce Cassidy for many years. Uh, certainly during that buildup of, you know, that team coming out of like that 2015, 16 reset, starting to incorporate that next core of Pasternak, McAvoy, Carlo, DeBrusque. That team for years bought into Bruce Cassidy and he helped grow that team building up to getting to the cup final in 2019. And yeah, obviously, unfortunately, shitting the bed on home ice in game seven. Um, and and they like haven't gotten like, back there. And I think as, as you got one, two, three, four years or one, two, three years out from that, you know, I think some of the buying into what Cassie was doing started to, to wane a little and, and his style started to wear on players. So it's not like they never bought into Cassidy. He wouldn't have lasted six years. If, if that was the case, I think it's, maybe the last year or two that it started to kind of, you know, go away. And we, we never talk about this season because it, it ended so weird. COVID started, but that 2019, 20 season, they started out so hot. And by the time that they hit that COVID break, weren't they in first place in the whole yeah. league? I mean, they won the president's trophy that year. Yeah. They, so they hit in March when, by the way, I had tickets to that very first game that got canceled. I was pretty pissed off. Um, that was my dad's uh, Christmas gift. But <laughs> so they they hit that point in March, uh, mid-March, where everything gets shut down. And they're in first place. And they were having an even better season than they did in 2019. And they kind of looked like the Bruins did this year, where they were they were just running through teams. And that was under Cassidy as well. And then obviously the end of that season, uh, all sorts of messed up with the bubble. And just everybody was all off with COVID and it like just the anxieties of leaving Tuka home leaving Tuka leaving like that season ended in its own drama but I remember 
at the time when the bubble started, when they started playing playoffs in the bubble, I was pretty optimistic about their chances to win that year. Um, and then obviously all those other things happened, but they had a really good team under Cassidy that season. And we kind of almost, I feel like throw out that year and don't really talk about it because, well, first of all, Scott and I are like, we weren't there covering it the way that we've been covering the, the teams after that. But um, yeah, that was, that was another good season, regular season that Cassidy coached. And the last game before the shutdown that year, um, or the last home game, I feel like was against Tampa. And it was like a, it, there was like a little bit of a melee and yeah. um, it was kind of like gearing up for a potential run and in the playoffs and it, and that did happen. Um, but yeah, like, and, and then I think their last game technically may have been on the road in Philadelphia before the shutdown, but regardless, like, yeah, things are going well, but you know, yes, the bubble was a weird circumstance for everybody. Right. And, you know, you literally take three months off and come back and it, it was so weird. Like, look, there was nobody, nobody here, and I know the Tuka Rass leaving the bubble was a big story, but nobody, nobody that year was like, oh, the President's Trophy team didn't win, like go, because you know what? At least you won a round against Carolina, but also like it was just such a crapshoot. But you know though, like yes, Cassidy was coaching that team, and yes, Cassidy was coaching the team against the Islanders. Like the Bruins never should have lost to the Islanders in a playoff series. It shouldn't have happened. And and I know the Islanders were like coming off of a couple of conference finals, I think around then. And they were a good team, but it's like, you, you look at the teams they've lost to in recent years, whether it's Montgomery or Cassidy. It, and it's like, you're losing the, the Islanders that you're and you're losing to the hurricanes that never really pose much offensive threat. You're losing to the Florida Panthers. And my I guess my point is it just, it coach to coach. It's the, it, it's what I said last, last episode. Like I'm more upset with, I'm upset with the players. Like, they just find ways to lose series. I just don't think they like they should be losing, and and the, that's why it's like you know we're talking about the coach and stuff, but it like it really the coach really doesn't. It, she shouldn't matter all that much. He really shouldn't. And I'm just it, whoever the coach is, the Bruins players just keep continue continue to fall short. But Scott, I want to jump back to a comment you made about how you you're not just going to ignore an 82 game season because I agree with you. And and to help your point there, it's like. Well, first of all, the only thing that matters is, is is the playoffs. We all know that. But to your point, like, yes, Montgomery got the best out of every player for the majority of that season. And and you know what's what's ironic is it touched, it just goes to show the narrow of, of, of um the, the narrow margin of victory and defeat in the NHL and conversations like this, because quite literally, if Brad Marchand scores in game five on a breakaway, like this, this, none of this, none of this conversation is happening. Like, yeah, they advanced to the second round, and like, there's, there's no questioning. Like, there's no questioning Montgomery and 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 like the Bruins' decision to get rid of Bruce. Like, the only way that that would have come to fruition again would be like if the Bruins lost to Bruce in the finals, which that would be a totally different story, and and that very well could have happened too if the Bruins made it to the finals. But it's just funny, like, yeah, like we a massive, massive, massive collapse happened after Marshan's breakaway. But if he scores there, it's just interesting. Like none of this ever happens. None of this, none of these conversations happen. And it's just funny how like, it's such a narrow margin of like, you know, in the NHL, it's like, so um, yeah, I just, uh, to your point, like, yes, Montgomery got a great season out of the Bruins. And if Marshan scores a shot that he scores a lot of times on NHL goalies on in that situation, like, you know, this, like th there's, there's not as much to talk about here. 
you know, and, and, and you're not going to, I'm not questioning Jim Montgomery's ways. And I'm not questioning like, like the players wanting a new, new voice in the room. Cause, cause they would have done at least what they were supposed to do to an extent, but it's not the way that it played out. And, and the way that the team responded after things didn't go their way, Brad Marchand doesn't score. How do you respond? Well, you, you have one of the biggest blunders I've ever seen in a Bruins game with all Mark and Grizzlick. And then, you know, the way that they just unraveled afterwards is just inexcusable to me, but it all could have been for not if Marshan scores there and who knows what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And I, I would say just cause I I've said this before and I, I still believe it. I don't think like, I do think they had better chances to win than that Marshawn shot, but um, that I get your point. <laughs> um, another well, thing that so I thought easy, of. It's so easy to, to, to point back at because of the time on the clock. Yeah. Like it, the game would have, it would have been an overtime goal is what it would have been. Yeah. So um, one thing I did think of while you guys were saying that or we were talking about the Tuca thing actually is what popped this back into my mind. But like, I, I know we're criticizing Montgomery for not switching his goalies quick enough and, you know, maybe letting Omar call his own shots, but Cassie did the same thing with Tuca very, very similarly with Tuca um, kind of let him say he was healthy enough, even though we, we know he wasn't. So um, yeah. they've had some difficult situations with goal with, goalies and it's funny because they've had some really great goalies and sometimes it almost feels like the better the backup the the heart like the harder the situation becomes for them to to like do we really go to this person in playoffs and it's they've had issues with that and the decision making with that was doesn't just uh it's not just Montgomery it's it's been and then that's what makes me think like Brian's saying there is maybe it's a cultural problem because it's happening over different coaches it's you know spanning those those different coaches it's spanning different goalies it's spanning different duos it's it's spanning you know the the main consist this consistent factor here is the core um and yeah so you have to you do kind of have to question that another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, and while we're talking about that bubble series too, I was also reminded... You're right. Like I've brought up the the two good thing in the Islanders series in 2021, and in 2020, that second round series against the Lightning, the Bruins were extremely undisciplined in that series and took a lot of dumb penalties. And Tampa kept making them pay on the power play. And if you remember, Bruce Cassidy's response to that was basically to make excuses for his players and blame the refs. Like he did a, let's be honest, like he did a lot of whining, like, like the same kind of stuff, like will mock um like rod brendamore for doing in carolina like cassidy he didn't do that a ton throughout his entire tenure 
but he did it in that series against Tampa. And that I like was not a good moment for him. Like I, I thought that Bruins team kind of like lost its composure. And I felt like he was part of it. Like I, I don't think he was able to kind of get that team back on track and be like, ignore the refs and just play. The Islanders. And, and I bring that up and I bring that up not to like rip Cassidy who again, I will say for like the millionth time, I think is a great coach. And I think he just proved that in Vegas, but to point out that he's not perfect, which like seems to get not on this podcast, but on talk radio and elsewhere seems to get lost where like people are acting like the Bruins fired Scotty Bowman. And like, I don't know, look, maybe, Hey, if Cassie goes on to win three more cups with Vegas, like, yeah, okay. Maybe he is Scotty Bowman uh, reincarnate. And like, uh, then, then we can revisit and be like, Holy crap. The Bruins fired one of the five greatest coaches in NHL history. But until then, like, let's not pretend like he didn't make mistakes or like everything was perfect when he was here and he was never at fault because he did make mistakes. By the way, every coach does, but I feel like a lot of that just gets like swept under the rug and it's like, you know, oh, how could you ever possibly like move on from a coach's greatest Bruce Cassidy? And again, like, I just think good coaches are relatively interchangeable and like every now and then you see a team make a bad hire and that stands out like a sore thumb. But like for the most part, like if you know what you're doing, like there's always enough good coaches out there. Well, and this, okay. So now I don't know why this hasn't popped into my head before, but um, that just made me think, well, if Cassidy, say Cassidy, this is his second cup, right? Say that this, this 2023 cup with Vegas is his second one. And he won in 2019. And so he has a cup with the Bruins say that that played out differently. Game seven, somehow Bruins win, whatever. Um, does it make it hard? Like, does that change the situation? Like, is, is Sweeney even firing Cassidy after, you know, a few years after that? If if they have a, a cup on, like, if he has a cup with Boston under his belt um, and he's already had that proven success, does that make it so that they keep uh, they keep him? a little bit longer willing to give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt and, or if they decide to do the same thing, does that make the criticism that we have even worse on Sweeney for like, we would probably be sitting here saying you traded a Stanley cup winning coach. What did you expect? He was going to go win the Stanley cup. Brian, Brian's doing a side podcast. No. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, no, um, I think it, it definitely would have changed things had they won in 2019. Um, whether he still would have been fired in 2022 or not, I guess that depends how like the next three, you know, what three seasons go. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt like that because by the way, like I kind of feel like some of that scar tissue from 2019, like that, that could be part of the locker room issues or whatever that like, we've touched on it. You can't quite put your finger on, but I like, there are times that I wonder like does losing that game is like, does that still hang over this team where, where it's like something that they like a mental block. They almost haven't been able to move past at times. Um, That obviously wouldn't be there. So I think, yeah, like Cassie would be in a better place. The entire room would be in a better place because they, you know, the, veterans your Bergeron Martian Krejci they'd have a second cup 
everyone else, Pasternak, McAvoy, the entire next core, you know, other than like recent additions, would have one under their belt. And I think, I think you would just have like a much more confident team year in, year out, like knowing that they had done it and they could do it. And maybe that helps, you know, maybe everyone's getting along better in between players and Cassidy. Like, I, I don't know. I, I definitely think there's a chance Cassidy would still be the coach because I do think winning a cup tends to buy you a little more time. Um, but it doesn't buy you infinite time, right? Like Claude Julian won a cup and eventually got fired, but it, it was what, six years later. So, um, after missing two straight playoff. Yeah. And Cassie never missed the playoffs. All he did with Boston was win two out of every three games that he coached. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that winning a couple would have bought him some more time, but yeah, there's the to your, yeah, there's just a, there's a lack of clutchness and big game, uh, ability with the, with, with this Bruins core over the years. And there's been a couple of examples, of course, where they, they did step up to the plate in 2011. There's three game sevens that they won. And then, 2013 and you know they came back against toronto and there's some big moments there as well um but at the end of the day when when the lights were the brightest the bruins top players with this core were outperformed time and time again really outside of 2011 and they were outperformed by the other team's best players in chicago and um tampa a few times and florida and carolina and the islanders like in st louis of course like so the, there's there's because the bruins I have mean, been so good he, Sorry. Yeah. Like even 2019, that cup final, it's like, you almost forget, like they were on the road facing a lim- facing elimination in game six and they kicked St. Louis's ass in that game. And like, then they collapsed right. in game seven in game seven at home. Right. And it's, it, it almost like, it reminds me of the Celtics a little bit. Like there's, there's a lot of some, there's something going on in the garden. They, I know people joked about it, but like maybe bring back the yellow seats. Like, because the, the Celtics this year, is like, how do you come back from three Oh down to Miami and then lose game seven on just get wiped off home floor in game seven. Um, but yeah, the Spruance teams had like some of that where it's like, you see moments where it's like, wow, like there's that winning culture DNA, like they've got it. And then they just collapse or like no show for a couple periods. I, re- I refer to the, I re- sorry. I refer to the hat they gave us the garden gave us hats that said Bruins and Celtics 2023 playoffs. And I just refer to that as the cursed hat. <laughs> I think I have that somewhere. I like the hat. It's cute. I wear it, but it's cursed. So just saying. Yeah, And, and you know, I the think for me, like playoff hub, 2023 playoff yeah. hub. Yeah. <laughs> More like a 2023 playoff graveyard. <laughs> so for me, it's like, there we talked about recently how like how I told you guys in the Bergeron era that they're five and seven at the TD Garden in game sevens. Um and they're six and nine overall and fifteen in game sevens under Bergeron. And like those stats put them off to the side because both those are the the winning percentage isn't good enough. But like for me, 2019 isn't just the fact that they lost game seven at home. It's the fact that they lost games two and five at home too. Like game five, you have Char with a broken jaw and and one of the loudest ovations ever at a Stanley Cup final ever. And what do they do? They go out there and they lose like three to one. And like everybody talks about Noel Achari getting tripped and not game, not being called and St. Louis scores again right after that. It's like, but that was 50 minutes into the hockey game and the Bruins hadn't scored a goal yet. So it's like 
yeah, like they, they just it's like you lose you, you lose three games at home to Florida. You lose three games at home to St. Louis in 2019. It's like it's not just the game sevens. It's just like take care of business on your home ice. And 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 and, and yeah, and then they go on the road when there's no pressure from Boston fans. And outside of Game Seven in Carolina last year, the Bruins always play well on the road against in, against elimination. They went into Toronto in 2019 on Easter Sunday and avoided elimination. Then, um, Scott, you mentioned St. Louis in 2019, Game Six. They have a chance to win a couple home ice. The Bruins play a great game. So, yeah. And and when you can't perform at home, it just tells me that there's something that their their psyche is just off. They're overthinking. They're not clutch enough. And and I don't know, track record makes me say that. And I don't want to say that, but it's just the way that it is. You know, give me a reason to not think this way. Hopefully I can't because they have they haven't given given us a reason. So, no. Yeah. And that's why so, the people on the radio can say whatever they want because you left the door open, yeah. like that the the results of the season left the door open to so much criticism, and that's just. Mm-hmm. Even though the season's over, it's like the punches just keep coming. And, you know, we don't we don't necessarily know what's around the corner. Probably more gut punches to come because the roster is going to have a lot of turnover this offseason. So, you know, we're going to be sitting here criticizing or, you know, analyzing, but people on the radio probably criticizing. Um, should they have kept this person over that person because they don't have enough space? Should they have traded this person over that person? What kind of return should they have gotten? Should they have gotten? So there's just a lot of a lot of other things that, with this as the backdrop, with the loss and the you know the the collapse as the backdrop, it makes it, it you just open yourself up to more criticism with the other things you do and and basically they're trying to solve their problems. Uh, not have the same thing happen next season and this off season, they're going to have to make tough decisions on what actually will help them not have that happen again. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting off season. Like we've, we've said before, it's like there's examples of teams that, you know, have these great seasons collapse in the playoffs learn from and go on to win a cup or two, but the Bruins just might have too much roster turnover for that to, to even matter. But I, I do think like you do have to hope that your McAvoy's Pasternak's like that whole next core, you hope there's some lessons that they learn and take to heart and carry forward. Even if the team, the next couple years isn't good enough to win the cup, like, you, you hope that when whenever they are ready to really contend again, that those guys now have a better appreciation for like what you have to bring in the postseason. And I know they've they've been in the playoffs for for years, so it's not like they didn't have that experience before. But you know, at some point, something has to click in terms of knowing what it takes to reach that next level, and knowing that you know, no matter how good of a regular season you had, like you are going to have to reach a next level in the playoffs. So you like, you do have to elevate, you know, we talk about like Pasternak scoring a couple of big goals late in the series. It's like, okay, but you still need more from him than you got overall. in that series, we've talked about how you need more from McAvoy. Like, you know, those guys are going to have to be the ones whenever a couple of years from now who are able to, to dig deep and, and find more and step up the way that, Matthew Kachuk did this postseason until he broke a sternum or, 
an Alex Petrangelo has or Jack Eichel. Like, you know, those are all guys who at one point or another face questions as well. You know, Mark Stone had never won before this year, and he certainly stepped up. Um, you mean a hat trick in the last game to close it out? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that stepping up enough? <laughs> By the way, and- first, the first hat trick in a Stanley Cup final game since the last time the Panthers were were there, and Peter Forsberg had one, which is kind of crazy. I think it was like 27 years since the I- hat trick in the final. I think I heard them say on the broadcast that it was the first time that a non-drafted player won the Conn Smythe when Marchessault won it since Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. And really like the first true undrafted player. Yeah, like obviously, Gre- like Gretzky came over from the WHA. Like that was different situation, but yeah. yeah. And he, yeah, he was also um, a much different story, a much different kind of prospect, but um, yeah, there was definitely some, some interesting things that happened. And the, the fact that Marchessault came from Florida it, it was it's just there was a lot of irony like i said earlier but anyway we're kind of like getting down to the end of it um i'm starving i haven't eaten breakfast yet i'm also probably gonna take a nap um but we didn't get to a few things we have we have a few mailbag questions that we're gonna want to try to get to probably next episode we did get a question about the potential of trading charlie Coyle. that's not something we've really talked about um so we can talk about that next episode uh and once again send questions comment on our youtube um or our twitter whatever however you want to do it yeah i mean the last thing i'll say is going into going into next year it's the bruins centennial season and they have six stanley cups and i was just thinking out loud to myself while you were talking bridget i would say i would say the this 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 core of bruins over the last 15 years or so They've left at least one, if not two, cups on the on the table, and I would and I, and I say that thinking that there was about six good chances to win because I know you're not going to win every time you have a good team, but like I think in 2009 when they lost to Carolina, that team could have won a Stanley Cup. Uh, 2012, the year after they won a Stanley Cup, they could have won a Stanley Cup again. 13 against Chicago, obviously. 14, they they collapsed against Montreal, and then I would say even though they were good in 17 and 18, I would say. 19 is five 2020 they won a president's trophy and then 2023 i bet you there was about seven bruins teams in the last 15 years that really could have won a stanley cup if if things went right of those seven teams could could they have won it once or twice yeah they probably could and should have so i just feel like going into the centennial season for the bruins i just think like it's just a tough time to to really celebrate and, and build for for what's supposed to be a really cool season for them when this is just the latest reminder of like they've won one time in 50 years and and yeah. um, it could be another couple another decade before they win again who knows maybe more you just never know yeah i was gonna say like you know when you mentioned six stanley cups and it's like just as a franchise overall they should have more than that in 100 years but especially like if you just split it up even the the one in the last 50 years the one under jacob's ownership like that's a tough look. Like they're certainly in within this last decade, there should be at least one more. I know, you know, for a while, like they like the teams in like the late seventies, like they got there, but they weren't beating Montreal. Late eighties, like again, really good teams that got there twice, but they weren't beating Edmonton. So you can write those ones off, but yeah, 
2019 is the obvious one. Like having a game seven on your home ice, that's that's one you, you got to finish. Um, the only the last thing I was gonna say is just a you know no connection to the Bruins, but connection locally. Shout out to Jack Eichel who. You know, obviously we focus on Bruce you. Cassidy around here, but but an incredible redemption story for Eichel too, with mm-hmm. you know, the way he's getting questioned and criticized in Buffalo and people wondering, you know, can you ever win with him? Is he a winner? All this. And I always thought that was unfair because I'm like, well, look what they're putting around him in Buffalo. Like no one's gonna be a winner with with that trash. And then obviously he gets out of there, he has the major neck injury, experimental surgery, and now really his first full healthy seat. And I know he missed some time this year, but not because of the neck, but his first full healthy season after that, his first career playoff appearance and he wins the cup and easily could have won the con Smythe. Like it very easily could have been either him or March. So, um, but yeah, like I've, I've always thought like that the criticism of Michael is unfair. Like I, when he was at BU, I covered most of his games that season and was in the locker room after they lost the national championship game to Providence. And like, he was devastated and like verge of tears. And like all season that year, it was, everything was about winning the national championship. And you could see like how driven he was. And I think like, I always thought like he just, after years in Buffalo, it's like, it almost got knocked out of like, because he wanted to win so much and knew he was so far away from it. Like, I think that's why you would see him so frustrated and, you know, yeah, at times probably not handle things the way he should have, but, um, yeah, happy, happy for him to win though, because that's, it's a good story. And it, I'm assuming he's going to be bringing the cup home to North Chelmsford and which is like five to 10 minutes from me now that I live in Lowell. So are you going to show up? Yeah. I might crash the party. What's up? Yeah. Go, go, go hang out, have some drinks. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the casualties of when you're really, really good, you and you go to the literal worst team. Uh, then you have to usually you find your way. You have to find your way to a team that actually can win uh, and get yourself out of that hole. Sometimes those teams turn around. Sometimes you're like, oh no, this team is going to be terrible forever, and I need to get out of here. So that was that was where Jack Eichel was living in a, a miserable situation in Buffalo, um, and we we heard. When when Taylor Hall first came to the Bruins too, he talked about a little bit about Jack Eichel and, and the situation that was going on over there. Neither of those guys wanted to be there anymore, but good for him. Another hockey East player winning the cup. Jonathan Quick won another one. Um, he's a UMass guy. Since Scott got his BU plug, I gotta get my UMass plug in there. <laughs> Brian, you got any you got a plug, Merrimack no now? No Warriors that I know of. No, the only the only Merrimack Warrior I can remember going to the NHL was that kid uh, Stephen DaCosta for like a cup of coffee with the Senators. And am I missing anybody else? Maybe recently somebody has, but well, no. Kovacevic in Montreal. Okay. Um, yeah, there's there's been a couple. I think Kyle Bigos had like a cup of coffee with Edmonton at one point. Did he, or was know. he with the Liners? I did he, did thought he. Got- I don't know if he hmm, ever played with. Maybe not. I don't think he had the the wheels to uh, do that. Colin Delia in Chicago, though goalie, he's he's played oh, yeah. some. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Nobody's won a cup though, so no. Nope. Anyway, um, all right, Bridget Scott, any final words from you guys? 
No. Nope. nope. All righty. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you very soon.